Hi, I'm Joel. And I'm Kishan. And this is Tea for Two. This is our BFF podcast where we talk about anything from science to popular culture, the arts, and life in Singapore. Hi everyone, it's me Joel, a playwright and performer And it's me Kishan, a science educator And welcome back to T42 It's our best friend podcast where we talk about whatever the freedom We want freedom Yeah, we want freedom Freedom Not very difficult to get eh Freedom (laughs) Yeah, in the the dry goods section (laughs) The dry goods section because it's so preserved right Yeah Yeah, anyway, how are you, Kitchen? Oh, I've been good. I've been good. I'm just very thankful it's the weekend. I've been looking forward to this weekend for the longest time. Yeah, as I said many times before, it makes no difference to me. <laughs> Although I am looking forward to Sunday when it's time for MasterChef. Oh my god! Yeah, I don't want to go too in depth into it, but mm. like MasterChef Singapore has started again, and um, along with MasterChef Singapore, my you know the, the lo- my beloved recap series, oh, which you can really catch good. on my Facebook. Yeah, please, everybody, if you don't already know, Joel does his wonderful recap. Yeah. You can uh, also find it on uh, my blog spot. Oh no, I said a blogger, <laughs> eh. blogger. Like, this is some like two thousands realness. <laughs> www dot MasterChefSingaporeRecaps dot blogspot dot com. Wow, sister. Mm. Easy to find lah mm, Quite So go and, go and find her Go and yeah. read And like give her all the love I love this cross promotion <laughs> <laughs> Alright you ready to get on with the episode? Yes we got heavy things to talk about Let's go <laughs> Alrighty <laughs> It's time for our very first segment of the day Are you home Shirley? It's a segment in which we Shirley! discuss An aspect of life Shirley! in Singapore That either fascinates or horrifies us Very often Both and what's up for the chopping block today, Kishan? Something uh, a tad more horrifying, mm, la. Uh, more horrifying more than horrifying fascinating. Than, yeah, correct. Yeah. Is the culture war. Wow, quite drama. Yeah, culture war. Yeah, this has been on, on our minds for quite a while. Yeah. yeah. The context for this is also quite recent, right? Yeah, about so, a few weeks, I think. Yeah, I mean, a few month. episodes ago, we did this thing where we rounded out how January was this really fucking horrible time for <laughs> LGBTQ rights in Singapore. Correct. And then, like, on the back of that, like, Lawrence Wrong. Lawrence Wrong. Ah, Lawrence Wrong! <laughs> Uh, Minister of Education, right? Um, like when in in Parliament and said something about like, oh, we need to be very careful about like importing this uh, That's our, right. our politics into Singapore, uh, like culture war, culture war. We mustn't be careful of importing this culture war into yeah, Singapore. Yeah, essentially. Yeah, but actually this has been mounting since even before the elections, right? When there was a lot of race discourse that was happening last year. Yeah, and yeah. people were uh, basically people in the politicians were very yeah. were wary about us like appropriating all yeah, these things from so, the West. Yeah, the kind of like idea idea behind yeah. it is that a lot of the way in which we are processing social issues in Singapore is now coming from the West, mm. and like the term culture war is kind of popping back up from like the early 2000s yeah, when it's yeah no good no, no good, good no good no good so i thought right today i just really want to kind of talk about the idea of the culture oh, wars yes please what sister. they are how the term is being deployed in singapore mm. and what it means for us and why i'm so pissed off with it yeah you you can't tell everybody but she's pissed i'm so pissed <laughs> she's pissed i'm pissed yeah i mean okay I was uh, like First of all right This term has been in circulation For quite a while already Culture wars? Yeah in Singapore Like mm. I remember first reading about it When I was in my teens So in the 
2000s, I guess, when like there were a lot of like LGBT rights um, coming up in 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 the news and it was constantly in the air, right? And mm. then like our, even then, our, our politicians were saying things like, "Oh, we must be very careful of these cultural wars mm. because and Singapore it, is not the West, right? Yeah, it's not the West. So mm. this this idea is not new. It is not specific to this recent like bout of right. social justice activism. It's 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 been around for a while now, mm. right? But like let's let's look at the term culture wars, shall we? Okay. Like every time I say culture war. <laughs> So the term actually is American in origin. Okay. Right? Like and so to my knowledge at least, and I'm not a scholar of culture wars, so don't quote me on this, right? But mm-hmm. to my understanding, it kind of emerged in I wanna say starting from the sixties, but kind of coming up in more prominence from the seventies, eighties onwards in the USA, right? To describe a very specific phenomenon that was happening in the country at that time. Right. So if you just cast your mind back to like the sixties or seventies, what's happening in the USA? All you've the got, various yeah, movements. Correct, you've got this convergence, right, of mm. like the African American civil rights movement, mm. women's liberation, yep. um, and then gay rights, right? And yep. All coming to a head together in a bottleneck almost right. in like the seventies or eighties, right? Yeah, so it's a catalyst for a great change, yeah. a lot of change. Huge change, yeah. massive change. Concentrated right? in a specific time Correct. period. It's a lot lah. Correct. And mm. then the term culture war kind of emerged, right, to describe how like these politics, right? Politics of race, politics of like feminism, politics mm. of sexuality right. were kind of coming to the fore in American life in mm. many ways. So in the media, in street protests, in, in the academy, in universities, uh, and then of course in electoral politics as well, right? Mm. But then the... T- so it be- it, I guess what the term culture war and the reason the word war is in the term is because it, it is actually describing how these rights movements in asking for more rights and more equality and more justice came up against a very substantial... Um, conservative resistance, resistance. so it's like two factions, yeah, basically correct. warring, correct. Mm. Um, and 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 so the term has a kind of like American provenance to describe this clash, I guess, of mm. values, right? And of course, the Americans will go with the word war, yeah, because you know they want to, you know, because it's so very much in their vocabulary, exactly. yeah, it's yeah, crazy. So basically. Culture war basically just describes equality movement facing up against like resistance. Resistance. And then how like I guess the negative term of it and the way we use it nowadays is to describe the way in which this is the dominant form of politics in the USA. Mm. You know, so like when you see um the when you know during the US elections, right, you tend to see that um, it's always just yeah. these two factions candidates, just coming together. Yeah, candidates tend to yeah. get pit against like, oh, what are your views on abortion? What exactly. Yeah. So it, it can kind of like refer to that slight flattening of the idea of of of, of politics right. in general, right? right? So whatever, I want to leave that behind for a sec. Okay. So then, like, the, what does it mean that it comes into like the Singapore context, mm. right? What how is it used here? So like we've kind of alluded to it briefly already, right? The idea that oh, it's something that comes from America, something that we must be careful to import. Mm. Which, first of all, is very ironic because it's like you want to talk, you want to warn us against Western influence, but you're using this term yeah, that was it's crazy. Yeah, this term that was evolved to describe a specifically American state of affairs. But anyway, like in the in, in the Singapore context, it's always used in a kind of like we don't want divisive politics. Mm. All right, so when they say culture wars, they mean we don't want divisive politics. We don't want um, pushbacks within mm. society. So they like to say, oh, if you ask for rights. You must expect a pushback. Yeah. So you know, better to not ask. Yeah, thing, don't right? rob the boat. Don't rob the boat. And then um, it, it, they they also use it in the context of like, oh, we don't want to import these identitarian politics or these identity politics. Mm. So culture war, as it's used in Singapore, seems to be shorthand for these ideas. Yeah. Which to me is they're all very problematic. Mm. Yeah. That 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 it gives me pause. Uh, let's put it that way. It gives me pause. <laughs> so I want to start with the idea of pushback. Right. 
Are you familiar with this idea? Yeah, basically, like, uh, someone says, I want this, and someone says, no. Yeah, yeah, but, but then, in, in Singapore, the term pushback always comes as a cautionary kind of like, oh, of careful, uh, better not, little got pushback. Little yeah. push so then it yeah. prevents you from actually, but like, all the people who actually want rights then feel very, like, bad because they feel like they're uh, going to create some sort of, like, discord correct. or whatever. But is there anything more fucking tautological <laughs> and obvious than the idea that if you ask for rights... You will get pushed back. Oh, one hundred percent, lah. I mean, because like, you're definitely gonna be unhappy yeah, about it. Yeah, it's like what? this one need to say, man. It's really like yeah. it's really like one plus one equals two. Mm. Okay, I might be oversimplifying it. No, 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 sure. But it's such a gross tautology to me, and the fact that it's used in defense, it is used in, it's used to kind of tamp down the asking of rights is very fucking stupid to me. Mm. Because like, if you look at the history of human society, it's it's fraught mm. with the, the idea of opposition and yeah, pushback. Exactly. But you don't even have to look back to the Neanderthals to kind of piece this together. Just look at like you know those liberation movements. Like yeah. Described earlier, actually, th- then this term pushback sort of prevents people from wanting to make the demands heard or make their needs heard. Exactly, and then what, they just keep quiet and they just get clamped down and they just become silent. Yeah, and that's essentially what we want, right? Yeah. We want people to keep quiet. Correct. It seems. No, I mean, it's, it's it's it's. I mean, I don't even know if we need to humor it on that level. Right. I think that what I'm saying is basically when they say you must expect, don't don't ask for it because you you invite pushback. It's like, yeah, tell me something new. You know, it's sure. like it's invalidated on a logical level already. Mm. To it to me, doesn't it's even not, allow for it's, any negotiation. It's not even uh. worth engaging with that as an idea, basically. Right, and right. I'm wasting so much breath doing it. <laughs> but what happens? Is, but what it points to, I guess, in the Singapore context is that oh, in Singapore, we must do things in a very measured way. You know, mm. we want to we we must slowly process everybody's needs and wants. So if you you must wait your turn to talk. You know, wait your turn to talk. Don't mm. don't don't ask for it now. Now very now not a good time. Now not a good time. That's just uh, an excuse to shut people up. Yeah, yeah, correct. Ugh. And and kind of outsource um, responsibility yep. elsewhere, right? Mm-hmm. So it's basically a failure of moral leadership. But what that leads to is and you you stretch something past the point of its natural occurrence and you reach a state of profound absurdity. Also, As in the Singapore context, you see this in so many ways, yeah. right? And also not just profound absurdity, I guess, but also like frustration within yes, a person, correct. right? You become very like, correct. what now? What can I yeah. do? Yeah. So, I mean, f- the, the purest example of this is the 377 situation in Singapore, mm. right? Where it's like, what you have is a law on the books that mm. is not enforced, which is absurd to the nth degree. <laughs> and it's because we want to take this measured approach. Yeah, correct. Right? It's way past, it's like an overdue baby that is basically doing its PSLE in the womb. That that is the that is the analogy <laughs> I have in my mind. So this that's 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 what I think about pushback, right? right. Shut up. <laughs> pushback on your pushback. So the second idea is this idea of division or divisiveness. Right. Right. It's like, oh, you know, culture war is very like oh very divisive. We want to avoid those divisive politics. Mm. I, I personally think that the term divisive is that it's very easily thrown out as shorthand for all sorts of things that are never quite clear. Mm. They're never very clear when they say what division is or what divisiveness looks like right because if you think about it right what what society is not divided like mm. i feel like society is divided on a thousand and one levels of interaction yeah so they're naturally going to be points of division yeah uh-huh. no one agrees or aligns in a in a convenient way all the time in fact the history of societies as i pointed out just now is a history of negotiation mm. is a history of tension is a history of space and space making and claims and counterclaims and all that right societies are by that human societies are by their nature divided human beings are by our nature as individuals divided yeah right and so, we must learn to negotiate on this level like, correct we must learn to talk on this level but right. i guess all these things don't allow us to like, no. the language around this is like no don't so when you're saying like oh we want to avoid divisive politics you're basically saying we want to avoid politics politics are you know you know what I mean it's, once again it's, it's tautological to right. my mind at least right and 
I mean, the primary division in society, right, is power and powerlessness. Mm. And that is the fundamental, fundamental to me of all politics, right? It's basically people with less power asking for a, a more equal distribution of power. And of course, those in power are going to have issues with that, right? So saying, oh, we don't divisive politics is to kind of draw our attention away from this fundamental imbalance in mm, our society mm, 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 mm. and of course the government is has a vested interest in, yeah. in drawing attention away from that right but that also turns a blind eye to any sort of oppression correct. or any sort of ma- marginalized yeah, group la. exactly it's like people aren't just asking for rights for fun you know I yeah, mean, this correct. is coming out of some deep deep shit <laughs> yeah, like absolutely. Deep, deep lived experience shit. And all of yeah. this actually, because you turn a blind eye to it, then people uh, cultivate this attitude of a- apathy. Correct. They just don't really care. Correct, and, they sh- and they really correct. take in this whole idea of let's not rock the boat. Correct, la. correct. But to return us to this idea of like divisiveness, right? So the, op- the, the kind of like opposite of division is unity, right? Cohesion. Mm. Mm. So to say that, oh, society, we don't want divisive politics is to suggest that we're coming from a place of cohesion. Right, right. But, but sister, let's be yeah, real. Yeah, let's be real. Also, like, there's no such thing as a socially, fully socially cohesive, you know, society or country. Dystopic lah. <laughs> Total- no, ta- basically totalitarianism, right? right? The only kind of, like, you know, cohesive society is a totalitarian society totally. where no one is allowed to be divisive. And I'd say Singapore comes pretty close to that <laughs> in some respects. So it's a myth, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah, and a counterexample that the Singapore government likes to throw out in this respect, right, with regards to, oh, division they will always say things like oh we must protect our unity and cohesion like SG50 or whatever right? because sure. look at, across the pond at Malaysia uh, look yeah, at yeah, Taiwan yeah. Yeah, look at uh, all the unrest everywhere and then, look, like, they fight uh, in parliament uh, then yeah. USA storm capital K. Shamugang comes out and say ah there yeah. uh, better not better not yeah uh, BLM protests ah there yeah. it's always ah there ah there but it's a very false thing to yeah, this it's point like, it's very disingenuous yeah, correct. Like, as you it's were saying. saying yes those societies are divided because if we take as our fun, our fundamental axiom that all societies are divided that is a manifestation of division mm. that is not a manifestation of um, unruliness that is a manifestation of deep injustice that is trying that people are trying to correct to resolve la. to yeah. resolve right the, the, the reason Singapore does not have that is well known yeah. right tight controls over all forms of like resistance and Correct. dissent right and actually to say the, the, I feel like then what happens is that the division becomes internalized on an individual level it and becomes then you lash out Correct. yeah uh, each other on the internet yeah absolutely and yeah. this is what we see like uh, uh, queer people get lashed out at all the time yeah yeah, yeah all the time you, it's so like you outsource the policing you outsource the, you, you outsource it to individual people. individual citizens uh? yeah, yeah. It's terrible. It's terrible. Mm. So uh, here, here it on T42, you hear it first. Uh, divisiveness, myth. Social cohesion, myth. <laughs> okay, these are just like fear-mongering words to describe a very natural process of democratic negotiation mm. within a citizenry. <laughs> Stop it! <laughs> All right. Then the third thing is this idea of identity politics, right? Mm. So like they'll say, oh, we don't want to bring in this identity politics. So actually, what is identity politics, right? Mm. Identity politics is this brand of like, politics that does come from you know these rights movements that i described sure, earlier, yeah where it's like very, fam, yeah, queer, whatever. yeah yeah all mm. these things right and it's kind of like obvious uh, according to its name like a, a politics that's based around certain discrete or like specific aspects of your identity sure and there are some valid criticisms of like identity politics the one common criticism is that we need to move towards a more intersectional way of thinking a finer about way of thinking yeah, about a finer things, way uh, more granular way of yeah, thinking i think about the example identity. you were giving is not just like for example feminism uh, that you must think about also like, race and class and yeah, the way these intersect how all right? these intersect yeah. yeah but i don't think this is what the singapore government <laughs> is thinking of when they say don't bring identity politics in sure i think it's you know it's basically the same thing i've been saying over and over again right it's just like actually we, what we want it, we don't want people to come in and 
question power. We don't want people to come in and bring in these destabling, destabilizing ideas because I think the real fear of identity politics here is that identity politics is a people's politics. Um. It is a politics that uses our very lived realities in our bodies and our identities to criticize very deep and nefarious structures of power in our in mm. our societies. It's so individualized yeah. that it's frightening. Exactly. And it's 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 true identity politics that we've witnessed social movements in the past. Oh yes. Right? Yeah. And and I think that is the great fear here that it is a destabilizing politics because it is people saying, look, my life is shit because of you. Let's do something about it. And it's questioning the status quo. It's questioning, you know, policy and it's questioning the way things are run. Of course it's destabilizing. Right, because all negotiation is on some level destabilizing. It's basically renegotiating the social contract, and all things are in flux until a contract can be locked down. Right, the what we have in Singapore is a case of a contract, a pre-written contract being forced down everyone's throats. Yeah, with we no all have for to, negotiation. Yeah, we all have to subscribe yeah. to it. Right, Correct. terrible. So, because in my mind, right, a good identity politics is a politics that points out the oppression of all people in a society. When we think about like the protests in front of MOE. Um, uh, right. the, the, tra- the the stu- the 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 young people protesting against Five of them la. yeah yeah protesting against discrimination of trans people within schools right I thought that was such a flashpoint because not only is it making a claim for more equality mm-hmm. for equality for trans people it's right. also pointing out that right to protest is very tenuous yeah right so it's pointing out for everyone in this country our our subjection to to a very Problematic law. I think what gets me is what you said about the fact that we are coming or, or, or policies seem to uh, th- this idea of let's not rock the boat comes from the idea that we are already a cohesive society mm. and this this illusion that we are you no know, all all everybody is holding hands and everyone mm. is happy. I think that we need to lift that. That, that, that mask up a little bit like, yeah. we really are there are oppressed groups and these pe- groups need to be listened yeah. and to tell them that this is not the time for you is just not being compassionate enough yeah. I, mean, I think this, that is a problem this is a good time to read um, uh, an Audrey Law quote because oh, right. of course she's the grandmother yeah, of, of, like, she has everything, of intersectional politics yeah, correct. but it, you know to write off what you were saying this seems particularly apt so she writes those of us who stand outside the circle of this society's definition of acceptable women, and here you can just put in whatever identity marker, those of us who have been forged in the crucibles of difference, those of us who are poor, who are lesbians, who are black, who are older, know that survival is not an academic skill. It is learning Mm. how to take our differences and make them strengths. For the master's tools will never dismantle the master's house. They may allow us temporarily to beat him at his own game, but they will never enable us to bring about genuine change. And this fact is only threatening to those women who still define the master's house as their only source of support. So saith Audrey Lord. So this, if you extrapolate what Lord is saying to what we've been talking about, basically the idea of stability, cohesion, mm. these are the master's tools. Is th- so this is the way in which the master in this case is trying to get us to engage, right? Respectfully, yeah, obediently, or not at all, right? And this this makes me think a lot about how this fear of instability that is at the heart of our government's rejection of politics in general mm. is very ironic because they don't see how this instability is of their own creation. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Correct. It's like this instability comes from policy. This instability comes from a history of suppression of various kinds of like rights and yep. freedoms. And this instability comes from a lack of moral leadership. And I think instability specifically for Singapore is like what I said earlier, it's about frustration. Mm. It's, it, everything looks very honky dory from like when we just look out into Singapore and go like, wow, everything's so mm. nice. But 
I think if you dig deeper and you talk to people, there's yeah. always this undercurrent of something. Yeah. And it differs from deep different people. Deep frustration, deep apathy, deep um, psychosis, neurosis yeah. on some level. And it's actually very scary. Like, that yeah. we all, we, I think most of us have have something like that going on. Yeah. And, and I agree that it's, it's born from the way things are done in Singapore yeah. right now. Yeah. And I think the, the fact that the internet has liberalized the way of communicating this frustration is a threat. You know, to 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 the incumbent government, because it seem it does has the it does have the potential to it, or it does seem outwardly very rebel rousing. It yep. does seem very angry, and I I mean I come from a point of view where like yeah whatever of course it's angry, yeah. but they're like oh this anger must be contained, without yeah. realizing where the anger comes from. Why is, is anger always in a like a negative thing? It's okay to be angry, right? Yeah. I, but I don't know because uh, I guess anger is a. Is, is an uncontrollable force here yeah. like in, 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 in a country where control means everything yeah. anger is frightening like, we seem to forget that like as a post-colonial society the root of our republic politics is nationalist anger mm. right I mean albeit here it was conducted in a very different way there was no yeah. kind of outright nationalist movement whatever but it does come from that root of sure. injustice right hey, why, why did David Marshall go to engage with the British He mm. wanted independence of Singapore mm. That's that is a form of like liber- Liberatory politics Right At a time when That was one of the Great oppressive uh, Structures in the world Right So I, I think There's a lot to be said here About the Singapore government Just kind of misrecognizing Its own role In the instability That it warns us of It's sure. very It's very Slight of hand You know It's very like a Tai Chi Right Yeah well, I mean, that's it. We, 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 I think you've talked about a lot like how, how certain ter- cert, um, many of these terms are quite disingenuous, right? Mm. But I think w- where I come from and where I, I see... I, I actually see a little bit of progress. Like, we do... I think the government is starting to realise mm. that a lot of these things, we need to have a change in mindset, mm. you know? And there is some change, albeit very slowly. Yeah. Like, yeah. No, so I've been reading this book called um, PAP versus PAP by Charing oh, George, George and Donald Lowe. Yeah. And, like, it's a very good book that lays out how, like, the Singapore... The PAP government is at a juncture where it can really reevaluate its approach to things and become more flexible and nimble and to evolve with the changing times, right? And... The, the, the next five to ten years and beyond of Singapore politics depends on how much they agree uh, how much they adapt to and this. they know yeah. it they 100% yeah. know this because you know but then coming out and saying things like culture war you know and kind of like phasing all politics through this idea of like western influence is very naive to me mm. right and that makes me want to think about this western influencing a bit more like the idea that you know, um, these are politics that are imported from the West, mm. whatever. I find this like, I mean, there, I mean, there's some truth to it in so far as like, for example, social justice language, right? A lot of it does come from Western um, activism, right? But but that's because like social justice is a global movement, right? Right. But then this idea that we we can't import it, you know, it's Western. We must we must we must do things in our own way. Actually, mm. it's a misrecognition of the global order in which we live, mm. right? Because like the fact that we are post-colonial society suggest means that we are naturally belated to certain forms of modernity right but it's basically the idea Mm. that the way in which we think of modernity is examples to see yeah and if you look at a global order the the modern global order is fundamentally liberal in nature because the history Mm. of the development of the current world order is a liberal trajectory and then singapore wants to benefit from this liberal world order but also do things its own way yeah it's a beautiful contradiction yeah it's very contradictory Mm. because if you look at it right singapore does identify as a liberal, a modern liberal state. If you look at our pledge, what are the words in there? Yeah, like progress, progress, equality. democracy, equality, freedom for all. Right, these are liberal values that were literally 
you know, first espoused in the 18th century French Revolution, you know, and that have led to development of like the kind of liberal world order that we live in today. Right. So to say we don't want Western influence is to have one's cake and eat it, is to say we want to live in this liberal world, we want to live and benefit from it, but we don't want your influence. But, but it's because this country is so carefully, carefully curated. Yeah, correct. You know, and we all have this in our minds mm. from, ed- from education. Mm. You know, we all have this in mind that we are perfect, cohesive, wonderful, harmonious yeah. society. Yeah. So I I, I totally believe that we buy it. That's the myth of the Singapore way, lah. Yeah, because correct. like the Singapore way, right? They keep saying, "Oh, if so, what's the corollary to don't want Western influence?" The corollary to that is, "Oh, we must do it our own way." So if you look at it, right, what is our own way? It is that which is oppositional to the modern liberal world order. So it's things like autocracy, lah. Basically, <laughs> it's suppression of pre- the press. Mm. It's suppression of protest. Yeah. It's um uh, abdicating with moral leadership over pressing mm. urgent social issues. And add yeah. on to that, this whole idea of you know uh. That th- this this wonderful uh, utopia that we've created can be taken away from us. We and, just yeah, yeah like, eh, just like right. that, uh, Yeah, it's just like wow, wonderful. So wonderful. I, I, yeah. <laughs> It bears repeating, I guess, that this myth of the cohesive Singapore society is a totalitarian vision. Mm. Yeah. I mean, maybe totalitarian is a bit strong. It's a strong. bit strong. La. Yeah. But I say it's an autocratic vision. Yeah. Right? Because, I mean, we can say it's totalitarian. We can say it's, we can say it's autocratic. But, I mean, like what you pointed out earlier, our politicians, our early politicians, like Lee Kuan Yew, also, mm. they, were, they were creative geniuses, la, I, yeah. I would have they to were, say. They were, yeah. they were innovators. Yeah. You know, they, were, they had incredible foresight and they were nimble and, ad- and adaptive. Yeah. Also reactionary. But, yeah. you know... <laughs> I, I think uh, government now is still very reactionary. Yeah, la, it's yeah. still very reactionary, but it has none of that nimble-footedness, I feel. Yeah. Yeah, which and is required to kind of navigate this very tricky terrain we're entering. Like you said, like, it's the next five to ten years. That's mm. where we will see whether they take what Sharon George said, la, mm. whether they can re-innovate and re-rebrand themselves in a particular way. Mm. Ah, well, let's hope. <sighs> uh, let's hope. Let's hope. Yeah. If not, how? Hey, 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 hey. Now it's time for Lukewarm Takes, Ooh. where two elder millennials that's us. talk about something that's happening in the world today. Ooh, and what's happening in the world today, Kishan? Ah, uh, yeah. So many things happening. Sometimes, you know, what to do, you bump into people wrongly, you say bad things, then very awkward, leh. Very awkward. So today on T42, we're going to give you a survival guide to mm. awkward situations. It's a how-to, like how to mm, survive. How to survive. And uh, our operative sound effect for this is... <laughs> I love that you said operative. operative. How to survive awkward situations. Correct. Right. This uh, idea came to us courtesy, courtesy of our friend Wish. Yeah. I uh, wish if you're listening. Hi. Hi, Wish. Thanks for this idea. Yeah. Mm. Also, like, we've been in, like, so many awkward situations ourselves. Yeah. My, so whole, we, my life is an awkward situation. We have a fucking Rolodex correct, of, like, correct. awkward situations. Oh, which we're only picking a few. So. A few, <laughs> la, a few. But enjoy. Mm, shall we get started? Yes, please. All right. Scenario number one. You are on a train mm. reading your book. Oh, uh, yeah. The Communist Manifesto. Oh, of course. You look up from the Communist Manifesto and you see from across the train none other than Sally, your secondary school friend. Eh? Sally? You try to avoid eye contact, but Sally has always been very good at making awkward situations more awkward. Ah, yeah, Sally. So she looks you right in the eye, smiles, and crosses over to you. She's coming. (laughs) She sits down next to you. Hey, hello! Very long I never see you, ah! Oh my god, I can't stand Sally. And then you're like, uh, Sally, nice to see you. Uh, where are you going? Uh, yeah. She says, Bunle. And your heart sinks because you're also going to Bunle. <laughs> 
Oh, our sister, that was gripping. Thank you. Was, what do you do? That was gripping. That's the question. Yeah. What do you do, Kishan? Oh my God. Uh, knowing that I live in Sime and mm. Sime to Bunle is a long ride. Yeah. Firstly, that was very good. I will ask, if I ever meet someone I don't want to meet on a train, right? Mm. And this happened before. Or I just don't want to have a conversation. I'm just Correct. tired. I will always ask where you're going and I will always mark that spot and then I always say like, oh, I'm getting off before that. And then I, I actually get out and I take the next train. So you will, you will ask you will ask for the destination first. I will always ask. That's a very good idea. I will always That's ask and idea. I will always extricate myself from this because I think uh, getting out and delaying myself for three minutes to take the next train is worth, worth it. The, I just worth don't want. the peace of mind, right? I don't want. This deserves a... The power of Christ <laughs> Very good. <laughs> very good. What would you do? Um, Me being me, right? I will actually not survive this situation right. because I would like sit down and actually have a conversation with this person ah. because like I'm all about like... um. You know, you to, never know where life. Ta- yeah, you never know where life takes you. Maybe this will be my right. my next time partner. Le. Oh, I see. Yeah. Is that how it's gonna work? It's never worked out this <laughs> way. It's always been painfully exclusive. I mean, I mean, to be fair, sometimes it's always nice to catch up people you haven't seen in a long time. Even no. if even if it's just very small talky. I I cannot stand small talk. I no. really am not that type of person. No, uh, not because at all. usually I'm just very tired and I just if I'm sitting by myself, I just want to be by myself. Right. Yeah. I just. Cannot. Well, the few times this has happened to me, right? Like, and I've not wanted to be in that conversation. I've not been as smart as you to go. Hey, where are you going? Ah, uh? I was just. Quick Go like ah my stop my stop and then like <laughs> sometimes got contradiction was like oh uh I thought you were going to like, oh no I decided to go supermarket this one I prefer the cold storage here to that <laughs> one and now spill off the train very unconvincingly. Why you say cold storage? Did you mean Xing Xiong? Ah correct Xing Xiong. <laughs> sorry Xing Xiong. sorry Xing Xiong. Sorry Xing Xiong. We're still trying to court your sponsorship. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> mm, no, yeah, actually, no. The best thing to do, right, is you see someone, you quickly move to the next carriage so you don't make eye contact. I've also mm, done that. Correct. Quickly, just like, oh, you know, just pretend to be asleep. Ah, correct. <laughs> I just cannot. I just mm. don't want to be in that situation. No, let's get out of it. Yeah. All right. Mm. Shall we move on? Shall yes. Move on? Let's. Scenario two. Scenario two. Yeah. You've just come out of a very tense meeting where you've just been scolded at by your boss. Mm. But then, as you leave the meeting, as you're walking back to your, you know, to your office. You suddenly have the best comeback. And then you just let it all out. You say all that you want to say. She's not a Christian! <laughs> you actually vocalize walking down the corridor, thinking you're alone. You have you have it out, you know, at this imaginary boss now. But then as you turn the corner, your colleagues are all there. Or in my case, students are there, looking at you wildly gesticulating at nothing and having this conversation all to yourself, talking to yourself. What do you do? She's not a Christian! (laughs) (laughs) Very awkward. Very awkward. So basically, it's this idea of talking to yourself, lah, and being caught talking to being yourself. Being caught talking to yourself. This says to me, oh, you you won't believe how much this happens to me. Same. Yeah, it happens to me all the fucking yeah, time. Talking to yourself is a kind of like um, neurosis, you know. Is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's. I don't know. I think it's great. Yeah. Like I, I talk to myself because I, I don't know. Like, it's not because I don't have anyone to talk to. I just talk things out sometimes, or I have imaginary conversations. Right. I don't know. I think it helps. So for me, when I when I'm talking to myself and someone intrudes on my space, I'll suddenly go. Oh. <laughs> You mumble into soft. <laughs> you mumble yeah. into softness. Or I'll pretend that I was like um rehearsing a speech. Ah, uh, that's good. Yeah. That's actually not bad. What do you do? So I just lean in. I go like, I'm sorry. I'm just talking to myself. That is so weird. No, I just lean. So it's happened to me many, many times. Like if I think I'm in a staff room by myself, right? Right. I would just have full on conversations about stupid emails. I go like, oh, I can't believe I have to do this. This is really done. Why don't they just do it this way? Blah, 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 blah. I, then someone will walk in. And then they were so like, oh, who are you talking to? I was like, no, I'm just talking to myself. I'm like, none of your business, Carol. 
<laughs> no, because I think we should normalize talking to ourselves. Okay. And just say, no, I'm just talking to myself. Right. Yeah. But this is an interesting learning point in that when you're caught in an awkward situation, sometimes the best thing to do lean is in. lean into it. Lean Because you in. will push past the point of awkwardness into I don't know what. Yeah. But victory maybe Yeah so like If I if ever like Students catch me Talking to myself And it's happened They always think It's a little bit weird But I just tell them No I'm just Talking to myself Because it's what I do No next time we should say You made me so stressed Until I talk to myself I've uh. said that before Yeah you made me so stressed uh, Until teacher siao already <laughs> <laughs> Teacher siao now Teacher siao now You got to do your homework or not You got to do your homework or not Not a question <laughs> Yeah so mm, Let it okay, Let mm, it long. Very good very good mm. Mm. Next scenario You're walking along Orchard Road Mm. And then you see Roger Right in the distance Hi long, Roger Long time never see Hi, like Roger, Roger Your good friend You give Roger a wave You know you give Roger A very enthusiastic wave You're so happy to see him <sighs> And then Roger waves back Of course <gasps> Why wouldn't Roger wave back You're mm. good friends And then as you get closer You realise Eh Salah leh <gasps> Not Roger It's It's nobody you even know <laughs> What would you do? <laughs> Dear listener What would you do? <laughs> Has this happened to you? Oh, all the time. But you wait. No, the waving wrongly at somebody is one thing. Ah, but, but then, then they react. They react. They yeah. wave back because they're trying to be polite. Yeah, they yeah, go yeah. like, oh, uh, maybe I forget you. You know why? Because on the other side, they're also like, oh, uh, maybe I forgot who this person is. Exactly. So it's like now you are yoked together by awkwardness. Yes. Uh, how do you escape? Maybe like, you know, lasting friendships can actually come out like that. I'm sure there are stories out there like this is actually how people became friends. No. You don't, <laughs> <laughs> you don't think so? No, because like, it, there's always like, uh, suspicion of strangers So it's like It reaches a point It's like Is this person trying to Swindle me Oh Yeah it's wow. like, Okay so like When I've done it to women Especially There's an added element of oh. Is he a creep No of course Yeah. Of course. So it can be quite awkward Yeah So I always lean in And go I'm so sorry I thought you were somebody else Because you really look at that And I just end up talking too much No that's exactly that's what, what I do, do right? For me For me the, the, the idea about Awkward situations Is that If you really don't know What to do And you cannot extricate yourself From it Just lean in And Correct. say Sorry Actually this could turn Quite sexy uh, Like you were suggesting Right, right? It's like, talk, 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 Until they go like oh, Actually you're quite funny quite huh? cute. Can we and exchange numbers? numbers And then yeah. like Things happen Yeah I feel like this is also The setup of Like a just for laugh sketch <laughs> You no, know correct, Practical yeah. prank right Last time oh. Yeah mm. Last time Remember like uh, <laughs> Just for laughs used to be a thing like. Remember gotcha Oh my god Oh my god, oh my god I forgot about gotcha Yeah it was like <gasps> Riff off like hidden camera Right Yeah, yeah They like to This is a this, uh, this scenario has played out On gotcha before I'm sure it has Yeah where they wave 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 And then the person think Who me and then he walked past And he's like Oh paise Quah quah <laughs> It's like You know what I think the embarrassment here Is that everybody's afraid To look like they have no friends oh, Sure I, I think yeah. that's a bit Yeah lah Yeah putting lah mm. mm. Okay this is a, quite a common Everyday occurrence Yeah mm. Mm. Especially if you're very popular And have a lot of friends yeah. Like me <laughs> okay, okay. What's the next scenario? next scenario? Next scenario is You are at a party Over wine and cheese Your friend brings Someone to meet you Ooh You shake hands And you say Oh my god Hi It's really nice to meet you mm. And they go We've actually met before Ooh girl Pit in the stomach And then you go Oh of course You're I remember They look you in the eye They challenge you You drop your wine Pew <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness Forget name eh Forget name To someone who claims You've been introduced before Actually that happens to me quite Very a bit. scary Quite a bit yeah. eh? First of all let's get to the root Why is it so embarrassing? I don't know Because it suggests a certain Callousness on your part No right? no, no yeah. you're right You're right But 
I always I, uh, For me I'm always in a situation Where I remember the person's face So uh, I remember the face faces, more Yeah More than names Yeah right? more than yeah. names Then I would just call it out like, I'm so sorry right, right. I don't remember your name yeah. Actually the more common occurrence Is actually you recognise the person Then actually you're like Oh shit I forget the name I Yeah the name, all the time yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah So how do you get yourself out of this I situation just, I Okay it really depends from situation to mm. situation. If I can, if I can remove myself from the situation, if a person is like, uh, like just a passing acquaintance, and I really don't want to interact with the person, I'll just remove myself, lah. Just walk away. I'll just walk away. Like, ah, my grad came and my grad came. Yeah, I'll just like, oh hi, bye. And mm-hmm. one hour, hey, you're still here. Yeah, my grad came and then I went <laughs> and then I came back. <laughs> You know, some cock and bull story yeah. like that. But if I have to interact with this person for the longest time, like if we are seated next to each other suddenly in like a play, no choice. I just go like, I'm so sorry. I just forgot your name. Sorry. Yeah. I never do that. No. You know what I will do? What? This is foolproof strategy. Oh, no. 100% of the time it works. Oh, no. I will introduce them to someone else at the party and let them introduce their name. That can backfire. Nope. It never backfires. You, because you never go Hi Andrew I'd like you to meet uh, uh, Sorry I forgot your name You would do that You was like Hi Andrew have you met No it's like Hi Andrew It's like blah, 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 and, you talk, 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 and then the person Is just standing there right yeah. And then like and go, Oh wait have you met And then Then they'll introduce each other Right 100% of the time this works Oh you introduce them To mm. another person Another way I like to do this Is I'll say Hey do you have an Instagram Because you chat 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 chat, chat. So you skirt around Forgetting the name And then you say Hey you got, you got Instagram or can I have your number? And then that's, you ask them to put the details in. That's uh, very clever. Foolproof. Hey, mm. the Instagram thing is very good. Correct, I very remember good. the Instagram yeah, thing. Yeah, the worst thing is say, oh, I don't have Instagram. Then you'll be like, oh, bye. <laughs> <laughs> not worth, no, right? Not worth, not, not worth. worth. Like, the only people worth interacting with are people with Instagram. Yeah, profile. correct. Yeah. <laughs> this one foolproof strategy, I say for That's us. very good. Yeah, I remember good, right? that. Yeah. I like the Instagram one. Yeah, well done, I'm sister. A, I'm a social bar fry. <laughs> What's next? What's okay. next? Oh, next one's very juice. I'm very scared. I'm very scared. You receive a DM from your friend. They've sent you an Instagram story. Ah. That's super cringe. Right. Someone is doing something damn fucking stupid. Ew. You reply, Oh my god, they are so cringe. I can't believe they're still doing this in 2021. Can they get alive? Right. You send the message. Right. You look up. Oh no. Tiala, you've replied to the actual story. Oh. This one's not even awkward. It's this one's a, mortifying. It's a full on scream moment. Yeah, basically, it's the scenario in which you send the bitchy message to the person in question and yeah. not your friend. Yeah, thinking that you've sent it to your friend. Like, yeah. Yeah, this is not just Instagram. This has happened on WhatsApp before. This yeah. has happened on SMS. This has happened on MSN. I think it can mm. happen on Instagram uh, more easily yeah. because of the way it's structured. Yeah. yeah. Oh, because replying to stories is very can be very you, convoluted. You like. must really look one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You must be very careful about this. So, what do you do, Joe? What do you do? Um. The few times this has happened to me. So there's once <laughs> this one happened to me, right? Like um someone sent me a story or something that I really had a very violent reaction to. It was something that was organized by someone. Basically, it's a kind of reading. And right. I was responding to the poets right. that were reading at the thing. And then I sent I really hate this referring to the the the, the, the poets to, oh my the, god. to to the reading organizer. Oh my god. The minute I realized my mistake, and this was before Instagram could delete message, right? I just faster blocked. It was so cowardly. It was so cowardly. I'm sorry. So on the receiving end, all they saw is I fucking hate and then this. Block. And then block. And then block. Because I'm sorry. It sounds like you doubled down on the hatred. Yeah, no, I block. Because I only found out that I I just assumed that they never saw it or whatever, right? <laughs> Cut to maybe three, four years later, oh right? Oh my god. Um, I unblocked this person just so we could interact on something, 
and I completely forgotten. And then I saw my message, and they actually replied, "What do you hate about it?" And I just like, in in hundred percent, like whatever. I just I just ignore you. The, I through. just ignore the three years ago exchange and we're like, "Hey, through. how are you?" Yeah, but my my that I'm, is mortifying. I'm very cowardly, so I block. Yeah. Oh dear. I have never not blocked. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I've ever blocked anyone on Instagram. Oh no, God, like some nonsense people. No. Like, okay, block, if block. you are very quick, right, you can faster delete before they see. Sure. But some sometimes that's just not an option. Then what do you yeah. do? What sometimes do you do? people are really very on the ball with their so- with their social media. They will check yeah. immediately. Kind. Yeah. Oh my God, that's very scary. Uh, uh, the one time or the few times this happened to me, I basically just spun a story out of it. You recontextualize re- it, right? I, exactly. I recontextualize it and then I, I word my way out of it. Lah. Right. You know, and I don't know. I mean, so far it's worked, but I don't know whether it's actually worked because I don't know if they bought it. Right. Actually, whatever. you know, now that I think about it, the best thing to do is to quickly put, haha, JK. <laughs> Yeah, JK absorbs everything, right? <laughs> like, low JK, I love it. <laughs> Just like, lie through your teeth. Like, ah, ha, 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 JK, JK, JK. You know what? That might actually work. Yeah. Emoji, soften the blow. Yeah, soften the blow. Distract I can't wait for the them. next time this happens yeah. to me. I'm going to try yeah. that. Misdirection. Yeah, correct. Yeah, magician's number one too. Yeah. Misdirect, misdirect, misdirect. Misdirect all the mm. way. Mm. I love it. Low JK. Oh my god, this has been very useful uh, set of like, you know, to, uh, how-tos. I would say so. I yeah, would, yeah. Dear listeners, tell us what you think. Correct. And like, if you have more awkward situations you'd like us to think about, just send them our way. Or more importantly, if you have more awkward situations that you that you know how to extricate ah, yourself okay, okay. from, we want let solutions. We want solutions. Yeah, we want solutions. Help us navigate our awkward yeah, lives. Because in this overcrowded world, we're getting closer and closer to people and that just means more and more awkward situations. Yeah. I think there are awkward situations we haven't even dreamt of yet yeah, that we correct. will encounter yeah, in the next so few years. Know, we want to pull uh, you know, everybody's knowledge into mm. it. Help us, guys. Help us. <laughs> Let's get out of it. All right, it's time for bite-sized science. Mm-hmm. It's that segment in which our resident science expert Kishan Kumar Singh gives us some bite-sized science to get through 21st century living. Yeah. What do you have for us today, Kishan? Nothing says 21st century living like ASMR. <laughs> <laughs> The number of times we've been told to do an ASMR podcast. Oh my god. Yeah. I'm actually, very curious about ASMR yeah. actually. Yeah. So that's what I want to talk about today. So I was thinking about what to talk, talk about today and I stumbled on this AMS, ASMR video like on my YouTube feed and I was like, oh my god, let's talk about it. Yeah, yeah. So ASMR stands for Auto Sensory Meridian Response. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's just a very fancy schmancy term for a feeling that some people, some people experience uh, uh, in response to different triggers. And the- they're all auditory. Ah, that's the thing. It ah, may okay. not necessarily be auditory. Mm. So the feeling itself is usually a tingling, warm sensation that starts from the top of your head and then travels down your neck and then uh, down your spine. So some oh. uh, people who study this call this a brain orgasm. I recognize the feeling. Huh? Yeah. Do you? Do you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because not everybody has this, you know. Mm, yeah, I, so I've had it before, yeah. I so. So it's very interesting and... And it's, it was quite interesting to read about. So, um, like I said, some people are more susceptible to it than others. And those who experience it, experience it on a on a sliding scale. So, mm. the degree in which you experience this is over a range. Some experience this quite uh, violently, like an electric shock to the system. Right. That's, that doesn't sound so pleasant. So, painful. Uh. No, uh, it's always pleasant. Right. It's always pleasant, but it's jolting. Right. You know, like a zap. Like a zap. Mm. But that sounds frightening to me. Oh, it depends on who you are. <laughs> Don't kink shame. Oh uh, yeah, you know what? I'm sorry. Mm, I'm all right. sorry. Yeah, yeah, sorry, sorry. Carry on. <laughs> For other people and most of them, they experience this. And this is, was a very funny description. Like carbonated bubbles in a glass of champagne. 
Like I've definitely had that feeling. It's just um, quite yeah. a, it's also a weird uh, description, but also quite pleasant, huh? Mm. I wanna be a I wanna be a I wanna be in bubble. I wanna be a glass of champagne. Just you know feel what? things fizzing inside. Yeah, me. I want to be effervescent. Yeah. I wanna be I wanna effervesce, yeah. I, I want to effervesce. Yeah, not bad, huh? Mm, very good. So what actually causes this? The mm. triggers themselves vary from person to person. Uh the number one trigger, can you guess? Sound. Uh specific? Can you be more specific? Do you know? Whispering? Absolutely oh, right. Is it really? It's number one trigger uh, when people were polled is hush, uh, is hush whispers, ah. and uh, it's, yeah, it's the top trigger. The the next are like the next few triggers are like soft speaking, so like like that, not like actually that. a whisper, right? Uh, then a uh, tapping, and this really like, weird one, yeah, like that. It <laughs> sounds really gross. It sounds very sexual, yeah. yeah. And another one, uh, Crin- which I thought was really weird, is it called- crinkling? No, fluid sounds, or like water, like, like water, like water, or like. Party. Okay, you know keep what? talking. I'm going to try and find some props. Yeah, so those sorts of things. But it's, as you were saying just now, it's not just sound. It's triggered by all sorts of other things like watching people do things repetitively. Ah. And, uh, receiving personal attention. So if someone is on the screen, right, just like putting their hands and, and touching the screen, so it's like touching your face, it can actually cause ASMR to, for some people. Okay, so is ASMR that sensation when someone starts kissing your ear? Because I get that tingly sensation down the back of my spine when someone comes close to my ear. Not even to like kiss it, but to just whisper in my ear. Uh, the whispering, yes. Yeah. The whispering for sure. Oh, but I the get kissing, m- I think maybe, uh, maybe not so, maybe not, it's not so much touch. It's always like, like auditory and right. like visual. Right. Not so much touch, right. I guess. Uh, also hand movements. If you see hand movements moving in a particular way, oh. it can actually cause ASMR and listening to certain types of music can mm. cause that. So, I mean, we've all heard of the ASMR creators, right? It led to this crazy explosion right. Actually, online. from my memory, this started out when some people were watching these old Bob Ross painting videos. You know Bob Ross, the painter, who Correct. spoke in a... So I think he combined multiple triggers. Right? He spoke very softly and there was tapping sounds and it's repetitive. So a lot of people responded to Bob Ross and then that's when this in the, the fascination with... ASMR started right? yes. and now it's become like you were going to say this like massive content industry yeah. right yeah. so you were right that a lot of people actually experienced ASMR at the, uh, in the beginning through Bob Ross it was through the paintings through the tapping sounds and the way he spoke and people were very entranced by it but back then people didn't understand what they were feeling in fact ASMR as a phenomenon uh only had language in the very early 2000s and it's because of YouTube. Oh. So YouTube allowed for the language to appear because people started to talk about it, people started to right. do videos. Probably the comment section were like, does anybody else feel like it having an orgasm when exactly. you're watching Bob Ross? Exactly, so that was that. So then then because the community became wider, then uh, this became a thing. I love that. Yeah, I know. It's so, it's so beautiful, right? Then the scientific community came in mm. and they were like, okay, you are all saying this but what is the science behind it and mm. are you actually experiencing it? Because just because you're saying it doesn't mean it's real lah. So a very interesting study was conducted only in 2018. Eh. So this science is like ridiculously new. So um where they, they wanted to compare the differences between people who said they experience ASMR and people who don't. So what they did was they took a thousand odd people and asked them to watch ASMR videos and non-ASMR videos. And they were they took a survey of how they felt afterwards. And those who said that they had ASMR all responded feeling a greater sense of calm. Uh, come after the whole thing, and those who didn't, uh, who didn't experience ASMR, didn't have this sense they of. They just didn't calm. feel anything. They yeah. didn't feel anything. But again, this is just people say, right? Right. So they did physiological tests. They right. took a hundred people, uh, half of them who experienced ASMR and half of them who didn't, and they did some physiological readings, like took their heart rate, sweat glands, all these sorts of things. And those who experienced ASMR actually. When they were experiencing ASMR, their heart rate dropped by three bits a minute. Three 
beats per minute. Like. Oh, so they, li- they really they, calm down. They really calm down. It's fascinating. And my favorite study was this one. So um, uh, th- this, group, uh, this group of scientists, they conducted brain scans of people watching ASMR videos. So it was only 10 people because I guess brain scan lah. Then uh, uh, researchers basically compared those who watch ASMR videos and while they're watching ASMR videos and non-ASMR videos. And the part of the brain that lights up, and this was fascinating, uh, when someone experiences ASMR, this tingling sensation is the same area when someone is being groomed, cared for, or when they're thinking about their partner. Mm. So ASMR basically is a feeling of being taken care of. Yeah, I was going to say all the stuff we've been talking about circles around the same set of ideas. Comfort, love, tenderness, being cared for, being yep. protected. Yep. Um, which, which is quite sad and touching. It yeah. is. It is. But, then, but there's a lot of questions that, that scientists don't know. Why is it only... Of uh, some group, some people experience this, some some people don't. What is the evolutionary significance of experiencing ASMR? Are you uh, are you at an advantage? Are you at disadvantage? Right. So people don't have answers to this. And, I, yeah, I wonder it's if it's not too dissimilar to why cats purr. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Because I don't know. I mean, you're not a cat person, but like if you play with cats, right, and you stroke their heads and you stroke them, they just like their whole body starts to shudder, and mm. it sounds like maybe they are having an ASMR response to being stroked. Could be, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Do and you it, experience ASMR? I do, but very rarely, and yeah. it's usually when it it's usually in moments of like um intimacy or like someone comes really close to me and starts like touching my head and like stroking me or whatever. Right. I mean, not not necessarily in a sexual way either. Yeah. So I think it has to do, and I think the reason why it's so divided is I think because and why there's so many different triggers I suspect is because different people have different um, needs right and different like lacks in their life and so like this sense of being cared for this this sense of vulnerability is attached to different things maybe? that's exactly yeah. what some scientists are hypothesized well I can be scientists eh? you can you can really can one mm, yeah so it's fascinating and so you know true to T42 form oh yes we want to you know give you some live uh, ASMR moments yeah we want to uh, comfort and take care of you our yeah. dear listeners for we listening to us we want you to, to be uh, close with us mm. so as we slowly transit our voice yeah, into we like a, like a the ASMR how are you today? I'm very fine, thank you. Dear listener, yeah. if you can still hear us, yeah. you better maybe turn up the volume. Yeah, or, or you know, don't. Or just don't turn up. Just yeah. like, uh, yeah, can you hear us in your ear? Yeah, that's where we are. Yeah, mm-hmm. oh, we just want to thank you for listening to us all this time. Yes. Even though we are very shrill most of the time. <laughs> Correct. So this is quite a departure from our usual expression, expressive mode, Yeah. Know? Uh, we also want to thank Xing Xiong. Xing Xiong, yes. For the, uh, for the Xing Xiong is very good for ASMR because yeah, it's so sibilant. Oh, yeah. Xing Xiong. Xing Xiong. Xing Xiong. We want sponsorship. Correct, Xing Xiong. Yeah. yeah. Can you hear this? Mm, yeah, so pleasurable. This receipt is from Xing Xiong. <laughs> Can you hear this paper? Oh, it's from Xing Xiong. Can you hear this? It's from Shengxiao. Oh, so good. That sounds very good. Yeah. Oh, Shengxiao, nice. if you can hear us, we want your sponsorship. Yes, please, Shengxiao. Okay, can we do some sexual air, uh, blow air to our listeners' ears? Can you go first? <laughs> wow. Is it working? I yes. actually feel tingly. Oh, is it? Yeah. What you do yourself, Anna? Yeah. You because can, come on it. You can auto ASMR. Because we got in here monitor. <laughs> yeah. So I'm hearing my room. Wow. We should buy my normal mic. 
how we should. Are you enjoying this, listeners? Yeah, listeners, how do you feel? Uh, if, you're, if you're having a brain orgasm, tell us about it in the comments. Correct. Yeah, this is assuming you have followed us on Instagram. <laughs> Alright, we're back. <laughs> oh, why so can't jump, sister? <gasps> no, because like you know, we have to transit from the ASMR back to this normal shrill, oh. uh, now normal shrill quality. So right? people are used to us, yeah. right? Like, oh, it's still we... us, guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, Sally, we've come to the end of today's episode of T for Two. It's been yet another episode, yet another week. Yeah. In this endless toil we call life. <laughs> oh, sister, one's very bleak. Yeah. Dear no, listeners, la, thank life. you so much for listening to this episode. Life is wonderful, by the way, not bleak. Come uh, on. Okay, you're you're kidding yourself. <laughs> Life is wonderful and bleak. Oh, you know yeah. what? I'll take that. Yeah, I'll take Speaking that. Of bleak, I have to run off to do a Zoom meeting now. Can oh, you believe it? Yeah, it's the thing that actually pays the bills, not this yeah. fucking podcast. Wow, sister's right? so busy. I do uh, podcast, then go yeah. Zoom. Wow, working girl. Yeah, I'm a working woman. Working woman. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks again for listening to another episode of T for Two. We'll see you next time. This is Joel signing off, and this is Kishan. Bye bye.